yeah, yeah, but something. come on. Come on, hospitals would totally collapse without migrant workers. Then give those grateful. jobs to British workers. Oh, well, tell them that unemployment for British-born is dropping. I don't say that. But the argument that, that, kids at the front that of the migrants queue, bring in the more in taxes than they take out in services. Yes, good. Now follow up. How much of their wages are they sending home? Out the country. She's just said they pay more in taxes. They've got kids. As long as they pay. That's it. I'm doing it. Wait, what? No, that breaks the whole... She's not testing our arguments. Okay. That, yeah, yeah. Right. Sorry. Sorry to interrupt. Sorry, yeah, yeah. The, the, the hard facts, right? The Treasury receives a net benefit of £20 billion a year from EU workers paying into the system, growing the economy. That's after using public services. So they are paying... For, for more care, more teachers, more... That's not a good thing. Yes, no-one's saying that's not... I'm sorry, sorry. how much are we paying to be over there? Yeah? 350 million. OK, okay. so have none of you heard our messages on... That 350 million pounds is a lie. You would say okay. that. No, it does not exist. It has never existed. A cheque for that amount has never been signed. We will not get it. If Project we leave, fear. what will happen Project is that our, our, our currency man. will collapse and the economy will contract. How do you know that? You lot get things wrong all the time. So no Tom. No Tom, unfortunately. No, Tom. no he's got a new job, so he's got a lot of video editing to do this yeah. weekend. So he's unfortunately mm. had to... Yeah, yeah, I think he's had to watch the Brexit yeah. movie for nothing. So is. <laughs> Which is like the greatest tragedy sad. of all time. Yeah, it's a huge sacrifice he's made, but he told us to go on without him, and I said, "Yeah, we, we well, definitely, of course." Happy. Did to. he get like a job off the back of all of his Mike Gapes videos and stuff? <laughs> I hope he. Did he get he hired had, from that? He had a little portfolio of Tim Farrow and Mike Gapes, and all yeah, the just like slow, things. creepy zooms into weird-looking politicians' faces. <laughs> we knew were very well made. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's terrific. In fact, Sam, we mentioned you on the show the other episode, I think. Oh, you did? Because we were talking about Mike Gapes, as, as we so often do. Yeah. <laughs> and we were saying how when we bumped into you at the World Transformed in Liverpool, you were like, yeah. oh, it's so weird. I don't get it. Why does he say, and it comes out as milk? Um, <laughs> and, uh, and of course, I had to say, well, it, it, he actually says, and it comes out as Baileys. But... <laughs> Tom edited it so he says milk twice. <laughs> well, that's, it's just so beautifully, it's so beautifully edited that it seems totally authentic to me. It's seamless. I like the uh, one. So it, it, it was fake news. I didn't realize it was fake news. <laughs> Desinformatia straight from yeah. the Kremlin. <laughs> right. So should we get started then? Because we're running yes. quite a bit. Oh God! Almost an hour behind schedule. <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, Classic is, is... real politics. <laughs> yeah. This is good. Is there, for is there us, a though. kind of program for this, or, or are we just gonna go for it? I think we're just gonna go for it. But yeah, in terms of the lateness, like if you want to know a, a textbook example of fake slash false news. It would be that that article in the Observer that described us as slick. So <laughs> let's, let's, <laughs> that's, a, that's a humble brag. Opposing the government and opposing the Conservatives, I'm afraid it's the hard left who want to tighten their control. They want to uh, sideline uh, moderate voices. I don't think anybody should be surprised about that. Is the nature of the hard left? And of course, we know that the hard left famously cannot tolerate any who dissent. Who are the hard left? Well, we know who the hard Hit left. Are. In the you know, ascendancy within the, within the Labour Party. 
people associate with the whole You just said that we need right to right wing. Hard left agenda. Printing money, commercialisation without compensation. Hard left opposition. Hard left, hard left, hard left. The hard left, 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 the the mainstream, maybe. We, we, we are not MSN. <laughs> we're, we're the mainstream now. Real politic, film chat, you know, these are the, the, the outlets that people go to to, to get a handle just look on at, what's going yeah, on. Yeah, just look at our fucking numbers. Just look at the numbers. They speak for themselves. We get more <laughs> All listens the numbers. than the uh, Observer podcast or whatever. We've got so yeah, many like numbers. The, uh, One, two... Of, uh film podcast <laughs> yeah exactly yeah we are the pewdiepie of uh, film uh, podcasts three four <laughs> five all the numbers there's a lot of numbers in, involved here six for example seven is another one and yeah <laughs> so like so how many brexits have you guys done recently <laughs> personally uh, I mean, what, what's the time today? Uh, it's coming up to half past ten. About six Brexits. <laughs> yeah, it's late. Very. <laughs> you can squeeze a lot of Brexits into a day. Uh, I've been trying to right. cut back. You know, <laughs> one after every meal. Yeah, you shouldn't swim half an hour after doing a Brexit. <laughs> <laughs> they say any Brexit's better than uh, a meal. <laughs> So today, as you may have gleamed, comrades who are, are listening to this broadcast, we are transmitted to you in the rubbles of this society ravaged by war, disease, famine, the parliamentary Labour Party, and other such blights. It's real politic, and we have a Brexit-related episode for you today. I hope you enjoyed our previous Brexit-related episode. Yeah, I, I hope nobody's sick of Brexit or hearing about Brexit. There's a lot of, a lot of Brexit coming up. We're gonna the only responsible now. thing to do is to make every episode of your podcast about Brexit. It's we'll too probably, important to talk about anything We're else. taking over the Romaniac space. I mean, hell, we'll probably do a few Brexits in the course of this episode. But our previous foray into this area was obviously the real politic great Brexit debate which, as you all know, was just a 30-second recording of Mike Gapes' milk speech. Um, and you have the milk! And that was obviously a profound statement on how weary we all are with the whole saga and how so little Brexit-related discourse is engaging or interesting. So we've got some of that now for you. That's basically what I'm saying. And HBO and Channel 4 have kind of had a similar idea and they want to do Brexit-related stuff at this point in time too. So joining us today to do possibly a Brexit or more each... We've got uh, <laughs> a whole panel. So coming over from America, we have Real Politics American Desk. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we have a whole desk now. Wait, and who's this guy? Who? Uh, this, this, this guy. This guy's Yair. Hey, I'm here. 
for this recording. <laughs> Yair, good as always to be on the line with you. Who is our other dynamic duo that we have broadcast from some remote location? Well, it's an undisclosed location. I've probably given uh, away a clue by saying it's remote. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Sam, and I'm joined by Danny here. Hello. We have our own podcast, a competitor podcast, and we're hoping <laughs> to use this recording to convince all of your listeners to listen to our podcast and stop listening to yours. Yeah. <laughs> Ours is called Film Chat, so, yeah. and we'll be talking about a film today, so it's obvious why it's suitable for us to be here. Yeah, and I'm a strong lever, and I'm just <laughs> so glad to be invited for what was pitched to me as a sort of celebration of what I think is the Citizen Kane of films. Yeah. Brexit. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Danny's going to be making a really strong case for this to being one of the best bits of cinema that's been made and released in recent history. Yeah. Both politically and from its cinematic merits. Yes. So are we talking about about. Brexit the movie from 2016? Yeah, Brexit the movie. uh, There's there's another Brexit movie. Well, it's a briefly theatrically released agitprop documentary directed by some spiked slash LM network weirdo who does climate change denial documentaries for Channel 4. Oh shit, we saw this on Wikipedia, didn't we? Because you were looking up the director of the Brexit, the Uncivil War film, but you mistook him for this guy. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So we haven't actually seen that one. No, we've only seen the Cumberbatch one. Yeah, I haven't seen it either, although when Tom was at my house last Christmas, uh, dearly departed Tom was <laughs> <laughs> doing work. It's worse than death, man. But yeah, I showed Tom a bit of it just to be sort of like, hey, look at this uh, crazy, kooky thing that I have on my hard drive. It, it could have been worse, really. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Tom and I enjoyed it. So, no, we didn't actually. It was shit. It was uh, <laughs> it, it was. It was like fucking Nigel Farage and James Dellingpole and all these cunts just like being cunts just talking complete bollocks about bollocks yeah it wasn't the most compelling Eurosceptic argument does it, ever doesn't heard. that cunts being cunts talking <laughs> bollocks about bollocks that just sums up Brexit doesn't it that sounds like a, <laughs> no. a, a perfect summation of Brexit itself I reckon oh no you wouldn't be able to say cunt on Radio 4 so yeah I suppose that's a mock the week maybe you could get away with that one yeah you can do it on American TV but it just comes out as bleeps yeah so all right well sam and danny thank you very much for joining us and i'm a big fan of film chat i always like to tune in and hear your thoughts wondering who that was (laughs) (laughs) yes who's that one listener (laughs) (laughs) yeah well i mean it's a great show i have many times heard sam singing along in close harmony with himself to the Bee Gees staying alive Sam and Danny both watched a film and they decided to record a few opinions on the things they saw. You're gonna hear them in a moment or so. There could be angry disagreements, but their views are normally quite close. A joint review shared between two podcast brothers. Do they let one another speak or do they interrupt each other? The light is on, the guys are in, so let the chat begin. Start talking now. And all the other musical fixtures of the show. And yeah, I generally find it a very enjoyable listen. And also they had me and Tom on once, which was very nice of them. We did, yeah. Thanks for having us. It's a pleasure pleasure to be here. You're welcome, guys. All right, so should we get down to business then and discuss... Yes. Brexit, the uncivil war. The most ridiculous title I think I've ever heard. 
<laughs> like how 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 uncivil or actual civil wars, you know? Like, <laughs> well, what it actually means? Admittedly, Joe Cox got shot, but compare that to any civil war ever. <laughs> I mean, what it, what what civil war actually means? Yair is that it's a war that is very nice and polite, and it's sort of conducted in the bipartisan marketplace of ideas. And the problem with Brexit is that unlike you know previous. <laughs> <laughs> previous military conflicts, previous crimes against humanity, you might say, it has resulted in this corrosion of our political discourse, you know, as propagated by people such as Jeremy Corbyn, Owen Jones, Owen Jones, and, and Owen Jones. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it meant. Well, the first EU referendum was the civil war, where everyone was really nice. Everyone was nice. And the second one is the uncivil <laughs> war, when politics has been totally broken down and is rubbish now. It does point a bit to one of the weird things about the movie. And one of the things that's like oddly confused about the fact that the title does point towards this cheapening of public discourse, which is yes. what Brexit represents. But it also features an actual murder, which is obviously not at all related well, to incivility it, it, or something it, like that. So that's, yeah. that's but, it, but the movie kind of conflates these two things as though like, oh, it's a dangerous trend. People are yelling at MPs now. Have you seen the latest tweets? They're right. so rude. Also, there's fascist that, street Right violence. after Joe Cox got shot in the movie, the leaders of both of the campaigns have a pint together yeah. and they pretty much say exactly almost word for word what you just said yeah you're letting some really dangerous ideas into the whole political thing dominic we need to have a civil discussion as a country about this yeah, yeah. And, like that's basically the lies, yeah. and that's of course the guy who got to dispatch all these powerful truths and all this real kind of moral weight was david cameron's fucking communications director craig oliver and, yeah. Uh, you know. Strange week. Yeah. Drink? Didn't think it'd be as bad as this. You? No. But then again, isn't that what these types of questions do? They force people into tribes. Seems it's moved way beyond our relationship with an economic block. It's. It's about the soul of our country. I worry. I worry that we won't be able to heal. But this has created... Exposed, we didn't create a it. type of debate, a politics that is unsophisticated, uncivilized, and worst of all, unkind. David Cameron. I mean, I'm just trying to think of some of his more glaring lies, but there was certainly quite a few of them. So if we're talking about people who are fucking up to their necks in the real corrosion of politics in this country, then I think pieces of shit like Craig Oliver have a lot to fucking answer for. Well, yeah. <laughs> not, not as the movie portrays him. Seems like a not so nice family man. <laughs> yeah, right. the, same thing? the whole funny scene, funny daddy. You know, I, Where's uh, Corbyn? Oh, Corbyn doesn't give a fuck. Yeah, there was a good yeah. scene where he's talking to Peter Mandelson on the phone, who you never see. And, and there's Danny... like some kind of joke with him as well. I I tried to do the pin, and uh, it just is <laughs> not funny at all. Dan, I like... Danny and I just watched the deal, the Peter oh. Morgan 
thing because we are on a tear now of watching films about politicians having boring conversations <laughs> and Mandelson in that is the most like every time he's featured it's like in super close up of him not blinking looking like he's like some sort of sinister <laughs> android who's about to go on a killing spree <laughs> and he talks in this kind of ultra smooth ice cold voice you know he's like a t he's clearly a killer but by this point by the time we get to 2016 he's just transcended the physical realm entirely and he just exists only as a voice on the end of Craig Oliver's phone just sounding still like he's just on some sort of evil political machinating spirit plane or something just communicated with him Prime Minister is on Hi DC Hi it's Dave how is everyone Hi David Mr Thomas Hi Andrew Cooper here uh, Who just joined? It's Peter Mandelson sorry I'm late I kept typing the pin thing in but it wouldn't yeah. bloody Hello Peter I don't like ketchup Isn't this a strange little get together I can say that again <laughs> Sorry I think we can all admit that we have a problem yeah, Andrew? On the question of economy, jobs and safety, uh, voter association seems to be moving steadily in the direction of good leave. I thought we were hard on the economy and they were immigration. I, I can't. Uh, what are the polls telling us? It's all over the places like there's a gremlin in the machine, but they, they seem to be cutting through to the undecided. The Labour MPs I have coming back from doorsteps are spooked. Our lines on jobs, the economy, voters don't want to hear it. Warnings of an economic shock don't work in areas that are already deprived. The numbers have been telling Andrew, us. the numbers are wrong. Something is going wrong here. Well, is it perhaps because 47% of Labour voters don't know which side their party actually bloody supports? Now, we clear the grid on a daily basis for Corbyn, and he backs out time and again. And when he does speak, he what sounds... What say? Jeremy voted to leave in 75, and he hasn't changed his mind on anything for 40 years. If we're blaming each other's parties, Johnson and Gove continually make personal attacks against you lot, their own government, and you're not attacking back. Internal Tory spats distract from the message. Anyway, we do actually need a Conservative Party after the vote. Well, you'll forgive me if my main concern right now isn't the Tory party after the sodding vote. It's the fate of the whole country now. Well, there's a bit where one of the Tories on the line criticises Corbyn, and then Peter Mandelson is like, well, if we're criticising each other's parties, it's like Peter yeah. Mandelson doesn't give a fuck if you criticise Corbyn. <laughs> He's not going to come back with a criticism of the Tories if you criticise Corbyn. He's going to come back with another criticism of Corbyn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, didn't he give an interview once where he said that he worked every day for Corbyn's destruction or something? Yeah, <laughs> he did. I think after the election he said, oh, I don't do that anymore, and now he's well, probably well, back on it. One thing I found quite funny is that earlier in the film, they actually do explicitly say that Jeremy Corbyn, as well as the leaders of all the other major parties, is backing the Remain campaign. And then, like, about an hour later, yeah, they have that conversation where they say, well, 47% of of Labour members don't even know what side their party is on. Yeah, I, I mean, I wonder if that figure had something to do with Labour MPs briefing the press throughout the referendum, rather than of what Labour's stance was, that right. people didn't know what Labour's stance was. Right. <laughs> they were just desperate to get a pop in at Corbyn, and of course we saw in the immediate aftermath of the referendum, Labour's parliamentary party decided that, oh, we don't actually need a functioning opposition in our 
country. They went for Corbyn in that opportunity and just sort of let the Tories get on with it and crown Theresa May and everyone. Yeah, we, we James Graham's adaptation Sorry. of that. That would be great. I'll make a great one of these movies. <laughs> the coup, the coup bloodbath. Oh God, it would just be portrayed as well like the nice MPs. They're so principled. They think that Corbyn's a nice man, but they just can't. Actually, that might have changed now. It might be like they really are so worried about Corbyn's sinister plot to seize power in the country, and they just are so noble. They've got to go through with this coup and the hard left thugs are just coming in gangs and burning down their houses and burning churches like mayhem sounds like a more entertaining film yeah i'd quite enjoy that but i mean yeah if it was written by james graham i think the only way i could possibly enjoy such a thing would be for a lot of kitsch value because I, I can't see it having much other kind of value. This is a slight non-sector, did you guys see the story? This will have all been published by the time this podcast comes out. But they just announced this evening that the Mail on Sunday is running something from this hit piece book on Jeremy Corbyn, a biography of him. Did you hear about this? Oh, yeah. Oh, no. Called no. A Dangerous <laughs> Hero. That just, like, makes him sound really fucking cool. Mm, yeah, I've got the <laughs> anti-Blair book by the guy who's written that new anti-Corbyn book. Oh, Tom Bauer. Yeah, I've never read it. He just seems to write hatchet jobs about Labour politicians. It seems to be his thing. Fair enough, we've all done it. I just think that when Peter Morgan writes this adaptation of A Dangerous Hero, it's just going to be great. I can't wait. If it makes him out to be this deep Trotskyist, Leninist, power-hungry, Machiavellian figure, I think that sounds very cool, and I would enjoy watching it. There's an extract for a bit that someone posted a screenshot on Twitter of, and it was of Corbyn's ex-wife did a series of interviews with the books. I think it's the one who came out and endorsed Owen Smith in 2016 and did a quite uncomfortable radio appearance, which was a bit you're listening to it like oh this is a uh, gutter politics but she tells this story of how she came and told Corbyn like I'm leaving you and apparently he was like read some effing Simone de Beauvoir <laughs> or something just not not as you do not that exact quote but it's very like your lefty boyfriend <laughs> so I guess Corbyn's only other appearance in any form throughout Brexit the uncivil war was when they have that little bit of news footage of him going to vote yeah. vote leave <laughs> I'm wondering Yair have you been following British politics closely enough that this all made sense to you because when I was watching the movie it all feels it's very inside baseball-y I mean all these kinds of movies are it yeah. kind of presumes that you read all these headlines at the time and the entertainment value is kind of derived from just seeing them dramatised. It's like, I saw that headline and now I'm watching an actor reading the headline in a <laughs> fictional setting. This is so cool. And I don't know if it's really that comprehensible unless you're sort of immersed in it. So I don't know how it seems from a transatlantic viewpoint. Right. I've mostly kept up with it through the podcast. And <laughs> <laughs> oh, through a bit of Twitter here and there. Oh, I'm not... Fuck knows what your conception <clears throat> of Brexit must be if you've just heard me it... and Tom talk about it. <laughs> It's just like, there's the FBP guys, and they're annoying, and, well, that's the main thing, really. Uh, milk, Baileys, cows in the south, cows in the north. That is the important thing to remember about Brexit. Yeah. Right, where were we? Yeah, yeah, you need to come in with, <laughs> with your American thoughts. With my American thoughts. American um, thoughts, the worst type of thoughts. <laughs> oh, good. I guess the main understanding is that there's a lot of people who don't want to leave the EU, and there's a lot of Big people news. who do, and that I think the general understanding is that the center-left is the one that's the most staunch of 
the Remainers. But I think Leave is seen as the more right-wing thing, but there's also some understanding that there are people who just want to get it over with. Like, it's been voted on, just do it. That um, sounds about fair. And also the EU is... My understanding is a bit biased because I am a British citizen and admittedly my knowledge is not that great, but I do have a bit of an insider sort of perspective on it, you know? <laughs> Inside baseball, as you say. Inside baseball, exactly. Oh, wait, that was yeah. Sam who said that. Apologies. Yeah, yes. for me, it was just, as someone who follows British politics, just seeing <laughs> Craig Oliver come to life on screen was just magical for me. <laughs> the titan. The great Rory Kinnear just bringing Craig Oliver to life was astounding. <laughs> was he the most recognisable actor in it, bar Cumberbatch? I would imagine so, yeah. I'm trying to think who else. Yeah. Guess, yeah, probably. There's a few, oh, that guy from that thing actors, but... Yeah. Rory Kinnear and B comes with the early... The big stars. It makes The others sense. were like, we were like a weird mix. Like some of them would just seem like they hired professional impersonators. But the guy who's playing Boris Johnson seemed like he probably does that for parties or something. Yeah, it's know? probably the guy who does all the anti-Brexit events. Just going, oh, I'm an idiot. I love Brexit. Oh, look at me, yeah. I Brexit. It was basically like, he's like some sort of James Adomian type, but for British politicians or something. Yeah. It was like a weird intrusion. It's one of the funny things about the movie is the way that it conceptualizes the Leave campaign as a bunch of absolute clowns. None of them have two brain cells to rub together. All of these weird, posh MPs who don't know anything and are all stupid and then these useless nerds and then one smart guy like yeah you know, <laughs> it's basically We're, dominic cummings knows what he's doing and he's read sun tzu or something like that and he's a genius and yeah. everyone else is just a complete clown they also kind of portray him as quite sympathetic you know you yeah, may, yeah you may not agree with him on everything but you know he's coming from a sincere place and he's a serious thinker you know, it's like he's what a visionary, he's a confused Steve visionary. You, you know what I mean? And then at the end, they show him sort of repudiating the whole Brexit project in that scene, but it's just fucking straight up taken from the thick of it when Malcolm has to testify and purges himself. Yes, they they have they have quite. the same fucking final line where Malcolm goes off on some big rants and they say, yeah. "Are you done?" And he said, "Yeah, I'm done." And literally verbatim that happens in that scene in Brexit the uncivil war how dare you blame me you rebooted the same operating system the same tired old politics of short-termism and self-serving small thinking bullshit for this which is the result of a political class don't think that i don't know i'm as bad as the rest of them that that's what the system does the virus it infects which has given up on morality but i was hoping just praying that Someone, anyone with the minimalist amount of even a fucking modicum, an ounce of imagination or vision or Jesus Christ aspiration. And simply pursues popularity at all costs. Could see that there was the opportunity. I am you and you are me. For something to, to actually happen, for someone to step in and do something to make a change, to, to, to just... Are you finished? I'm finished anyway. You didn't finish me. Are you done, Mr. Cummings? <sighs> yeah, I'm done. We're all done. But I think the thick of it one was clearly plagiarized from the end of There Will Be Blood. <laughs> Mr. Daniel?
I'm finished. Ah, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, maybe that's where I got it from. But no, <laughs> nobody beat the shit out of anyone with a bowling pin in either the thick of it or uh, or Brexit, the unsip Brexit, the forgettable war. Which why is was, a massive shame. Yeah. yeah, there's quite a few people in this movie I would have liked to have see, seen uh, that fate before them. I'd like to have drunk their milkshakes. Yeah, some of the caricatures in the film are just fucking shocking. The impersonations of people like Farage is just fucking ridiculous. Him and Aaron Banks are just like these grotesque fucking slime demons. The most unbelievably repugnant creatures that you could possibly imagine. There was definitely a draft of this script where Banks and Farage jerk off together, I think. <laughs> it's about one degree away from them downing a couple of pints and then wanking onto a biscuit and then eating the biscuit. <laughs> yeah, they're a proper Laurel and Hardy double act, innit? They're just lads, you know, they're Brexit lads. <laughs> the posh, the, the posh, boys. rich Brexit lads. Uh, I think was the intention of the movie. I think that's the thing that confused me the most because their portrayal suggests, I think, do you remember that Channel 4 series Star Stories, which was just a group <laughs> of comedians doing like Taylor Swift story or whatever? It's a bit yeah. like that, but then sort of serious and then sort of opaque. So does anyone have any idea what the intention of this movie was? You know, what's the demographic? What was they trying to achieve? Because I'm I, kind of lost. I think basically the creators of the film wanted to do Brexit. They hadn't had the opportunity to, because Tim Farron had already done it, and so they, they didn't have the opportunity to do it, so they had to create a simulacrum of Brexit to do. Okay. <laughs> Does anyone else have a, I, I was, you know, thinking I'd get that in and then someone could say something that makes sense. <laughs> well, to compare it to other movies of this nature, like The Deal, like the Peter Morgan films, they feel like they're more solidly fictional dramas. This one feels a bit yeah. more like it's trying to say something about the times, but it's not in a sort of the big short is out to sort of educate you, but all no. the facts yeah. of Brexit was like yesterday and everyone knows them. So what is the point of it? That's my sort of biggest takeaway. There's a bit of a All the President's Men vibe where it's like mm. the kind of clever guys who made the events happen and you just want to see them in the room figuring the stuff out. Yeah. But yeah. in All the President's Men, they're heroic crusading journalists and so it's a celebration of power being held accountable by people doggedly pursuing the truth or something. Whereas in this, well, he seems to believe in nothing and it's like a sort of game to him and it's really unclear exactly what kind of a country he'd want to live in or he doesn't seem to have any kind of preferences like that he's obviously he not the hero of it so you don't have any it... clue what his fucking politics are no craig oliver is the hero obviously <laughs> <laughs> yeah I you mean, know he doesn't no like david cameron and he for some reason wants to leave the eu we're not sure why does he even want to leave the eu i mean yeah, it's not what? even clear he seems pretty unhappy when they do leave the eu so yeah he's not happy he about it at all life? yeah i was surprised actually having now seen the film by how much carol cadwallader from the guardian seemed to dislike it because she did this interview with james graham the writer of the film in which she fucking raked him over the coals for not taking the data elements of Brexit and, you know, all the Cambridge Analytica stuff and all that, which she covers for The Guardian seriously enough. But I thought that played a pretty significant role in the yeah. film. Probably overstated, in fact, with regards to the actual reasons for the Brexit vote. You know, they wouldn't have been able to identify those voters unless those voters were there as a consequence of material conditions. So it's never going to be enough for Carol Cadwallader, but she was really sort of dragging James Graham for not taking that 
aspect of Brexit seriously enough. Was she unhappy that there wasn't more Russia? Because that was something that surprised me watching ah, the yeah, film, that was, that yeah, there's that, no Russia. Yeah, no Russia. I, there there I, we go. I, I honestly it it would have been be my number one comedy of 2019 if Russia showed up. <laughs> <laughs> there's just a shady meeting. Dominic Cummings goes in. It's General Olovsky. <laughs> He's just like, so, <laughs> or, we have planned... Putin himself. <laughs> we have planned to destabilize West. Putin stroking a big fluffy cat. He should have appeared as like a nine foot high hologram, like a villainous Star Wars character. Supreme Leader Snoke? Yeah, he should have been a Supreme Leader Snoke type guy in the background, you know. <laughs> I would have I would have made him a Snoke character. That's my that's my one that's my one criticism. Well we show the kind of infiltration into politics that he was responsible for, and then you see the people on the Remain campaign having a meeting, and then you sort of pan out and then it turns out you're going like through a camera and then you go to the other end of the camera and you're on a screen and then Putin's watching in his uh, his base in Russia getting the lowdown himself. That would have been excellent. <laughs> Maybe a plume of cigar smoke just next to his head or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> I think yes. that would be uh, yeah an Oliver Stone kind of shot. Yes. I mean, in terms of James Graham's actual politics, he's just a melt, basically. I mean, would pretty much <laughs> sum it up. Just really middle-of-the-road, centre-left, Labour-right politics. Sounds about right, yeah. The key sort of conceptual problem with this is that unlike something... I'm sorry, I feel like we're going to keep referring to the deal because we watched it one hour ago. So yeah. it's very fresh in our memory. <laughs> but in that, it's about personality clash and the politics of the country features only insofar as it feeds into the dynamics of the relationship between Gordon Brown and Tony Blair. So it's quite yeah. a political film, but that's part of its conception. So in that sense, it doesn't feel like there's that much of a sort of issue there, at least. But in this movie, because it's trying to say something about the country as a whole, but it's dramatizing politicians' inability to read the room. And it's all these mm. people who don't really understand the times they're living in and don't really understand what's going on in the country. And even Cummings doesn't understand, even though he can physically hear the hum of Britain or whatever nonsense there is. Yeah. Uh, referencing that. But then if it's a film about how people within the Westminster bubble or whatever people in that particular political and media class don't have their finger on the pulse why are they the main characters of the film it's like <laughs> yeah. it's like trying to tell the story of how a group of political elites lost touch with the country but also telling the story of what's really going on behind the scenes but that's irrelevant because the whole point is that they don't know what's going on and events overtake them <laughs> yeah so by the end of the film everything that happened in the actual drama of it feels like a complete sideshow to whatever the fucking hum in dominic cummings ear is yeah. which we never encounter because the guy himself doesn't know what was going on so it's a bit I, of a shrug of a film i think yeah yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, the thing about Brexit is it's not a thing that's about one individual. You know, even a general election in the UK is not strictly a vote for one individual, but it gets made into that. Brexit yeah. was not that. There are a variety of forces at play, so I doubt a more left-wing filmmaker would have necessarily taken the story and tried to find a main character of Brexit. But yeah, right. I mean, James Graham is the type of playwright who had to rewrite his drama about the Labour Party because it featured a historic wipeout for Labour at the end of it and then the 2017 general election transpired and that didn't happen. So he's somebody who's kind of coming from a particular political place and I thought that was reflected in certainly how Corbyn was portrayed in Brexit the Uncivil War. I mean, Alan Johnson didn't figure in it either. You saw some kind of liberal types being like, oh, Corbyn doesn't appear in it at all. Well, that sounds a lot like real life, but 
you know, the head of the Labour Remain campaign wasn't in it either. And, I mean, that was partly a narrative choice because obviously it focuses on the winning side of the campaign. I was quite relieved that they didn't feature Corbyn, actually. He yeah, probably would have been played been by Tracy Ullman. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. and it would have been beyond awful. Yeah, just shambling around. Oh, he's made a gaffe. Oh, no, tripped up. Oh, he said seven out of ten. Oh, no, all this bollocks, but only fucking insufferable people give a shit about yeah there would have been a scene of him in his garden with a pair of shears or something looking after his posies yeah. and then not really knowing the difference between a customs union and a single market or something yeah like that. <laughs> but yeah i mean corbyn didn't really want to be involved in the main remain campaign and although they're obviously portrayed in this as filtered through james graham's own politics you kind of get a sense of why when you see them because they are just these sort of what in dramas that appear on the bbc in channel 4 are kind of you know idealistic progressive people who in real life you know if they're of a certain age they were in the sdp <laughs> or yeah. you know nowadays they're fbp campaigners but you know these are portrayed as the most radical people with a hope for a better world in dramas about politics or the press in the uk but they're and also that- complete nobodies aren't they yeah they it's have- like there's some floating text that comes up it's like will straw working for the yeah. remain campaign it's like, yeah they do guy? take the piss out of will straw to be fair they do have a little thing of he's the product of nepotism or whatever <laughs> but um <laughs> aside from that you know really they're just portrayed as, oh these are the good people who they try so hard but they just don't get it and you know <laughs> really the remain campaign if you want to look at the forces that led Britain to Brexit look at the kind of people who are running that campaign. I mean I guess we do get a good look at Craig Oliver but don't look at who he is in this film look at who he really is and what the government that he was in did and I think that might be slightly more illuminating as to how they did Brexit how Brexit was done than Benedict Cumberbatch as Dominic Cummings double the cum just sort of uh, (laughs) waxing lyrical about fucking how he's read Sun Tzu as you say Sam and fucking he knows computer things. Oh, yeah, there's a bit where it's like, what have you been doing since you left number 10? And he's like, oh, I've just been reading long intellectual novels or something. And I think as an audience, we're supposed to be like, this guy's the real deal. Just like, completed a thousand yeah, yeah. jigsaw. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just like I've been... 100% uh, Red Dead Red- Redemption. <laughs> so, <laughs> what have you been up to the past few months? Two years. Yeah, chucked it all in. Went to live on my dad's farm, did a little bit of work, meditated, wrote a lot, read Thucydides, Kipling, Tolstoy. Right. I've just been reading Shark by Will Self. It's all uh, one continuous sentence, you know. I've been reading all of Will Self's fortune cookie messages. (laughs) What I've done is I've stitched together all the fortune cookie messages, so it's one long continuous sentence, like one of his novels. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, I mean, it's such a vacuously personalised story, and Cummings has got to be all things to all people in it, basically, so he's got to develop a conscience towards the end of it. And in terms of the swearing in the film, <laughs> the most cringeworthy line is, he's not the messiah, he's a very naughty, 
fucking asshole. Oh, yes, uh, that d- was awful. That was one that Craig Oliver got to deliver when talking yeah. about Cummings, obviously. And then later on at the end, I guess they had like a one cunt per film quota and Cummings himself got to say it about Nigel Farage when Farage said his truly despicable comment about how the vote was won without a single shot being fired, which was, you know, in retrospect, just how could he possibly even think that that was an appropriate thing to say? Whereas, obviously, he probably just, you know, didn't think. Yeah. Which, which sounds typical of Farage, but yeah, absolutely vile. But then they've got Cummings speaking for the audience, like, you fucking cunt or whatever. Honesty, decency, and faith in nature, I think now is going to win! Yeah! Yeah! And we will have done it without having to fight and without one single bullet being fired. See, one bullet was fired. You moronic little cunt. Well, what's yeah. the? I want to know, like, what is this film's view of what people are like? You know, the non-Westminster people, whatever, like the people <laughs> out there. What non-Westminster like, well, people? Another thing that seemed really confused about how the movie conceives of itself is that there's this weird conflation, and I think in a way that's illuminating in the film about more general conceptions of Brexit and its causes, which is conflating some weird unease about like a loss of place or something like that, something that's just purely emotive, with real economic yeah. immiseration. So they yeah. sort of go to places where they, you know. There's this really hilarious scene where Douglas Carswell and Dominic <laughs> Cummings and whoever the other guy is, Matthew Elliott or something? Yes. Yeah, some, some, they, they, the one who's a They all go nerd. out. They find someone who's been left behind and they yeah. find them yeah. via the dark Cambridge Analytica data or something. He's off the grid. You look on Google Maps and it's just blank, but this guy with his special uh, <laughs> skills has dug up the house that's been left behind. So they physically go there. Oh, I don't know this place. Well, it's in your constituency, Douglas. You've just ignored it for years. Hello? Right. What's he done now? I don't understand. How did you find us? No-one knocks on that door. You're telling me that no other political parties have knocked on your door during this referendum? I'm saying no-one from a political party has knocked on that door since about the 80s. And then they talk to someone who they have, like, real concrete complaints about there's no jobs and all this kinds of stuff. But it's all connected with that weird, good-heartian somewheres and nowheres <laughs> kinds of thing about how it's just some vague sense of dislocation. Yeah, And there's yeah. that bizarre, really terrible focus group scene. Oh, God, where... it's a sort of 12 angry there's men There's a couple kind of, thing. of them. Absolutely terrible. Yeah, there's a couple of them. But there's this thing where, like, the purpose of political focus groups is to, like, approximate the views of people out in the country. But... In the script, they are exact representations of parts of the country. They're just <laughs> avatars for the country. So there's a bit where this I'm woman legitimate concerns guy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's the kind of racist guy and then the EU loving guy, or whatever. Yeah. And then there's this woman who's basically the avatar of Middle England. Oh, yeah. And she sort of breaks down in tears and is really upset. And it's like, look how upset Middle England is. Yeah. You know, that's <laughs> what's. You see what's going on? They, they're just so upset. I just didn't understand what James Graham thinks was going on. Was it actually that there's a lot? of economic problems in the country that people are feeling that have not been addressed or is it just that they're just all really upset for some reason because they're the nowheres or they're the somewheres or yeah but people making these promises people that you have never heard of hmm? dominic cummings 
that they're not elected, they're not going to form a government, despite having made billions of pretend spending promises post-Brexit, that they have no power or responsibility to see any of it through. OK, we could take a little break, Or, or Aaron Banks and his diamond mine in South Africa, or Nigel Farage, the old stockbroker, Boris Johnson, Jacob Rees-Mogg, yeah? They're going to be fine, aren't they? This is just a game to them, a, a debating society. But the risk to you and your children... There's no risk. Come to where I'm from. There's nothing to lose. We've got something to lose. At age, you lot have had your lives. Excuse me. You've had, had your jobs life. and your homes you and things. It doesn't matter to you, life. yeah? Take a risk. Solve it. Thank you very much. I've lost Why? everything. Because you are nervous about people with a different colour skin and a different oh, accent. Thank you very much. Sick of being called that. What did I call you? What did I you say? You know what you were calling me. No, I you don't know, know what you were calling no, me. I don't. Racist. 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 When That's did I say? You were saying that. I'm sorry. She's right. Right, it's true. We can't say nothing now without that coming up. Oh, and that's it's the kind of blue labour good heartian thing of uh, yes there are lots of economic problems in the country how are we gonna solve those economic problems well we're not but we are gonna put flags on more things and cut down on immigration yeah it will just remind you to be proud of your patch of post-industrial miserable <laughs> dirt yeah i mean what i did like about the focus group scene i mean like is a strong word but it's just the sheer level of centrist liberal wish fulfillment when craig oliver storms into the focus group and starts shouting the hard facts about the eu and uh, that was very funny it's net benefits to the economy and so forth for all these people <laughs> and just, he's just yelling and jabbing his finger at them just fucking like gapes red in the face and he's just he's just screaming at the people like the stupid ignorant plebs like you should fucking know your place i know what's going on here you listen to me obviously it's portrayed as this isn't something you should do but it's like in a film when an anti-hero who is the protagonist of the film shoots somebody and you're like well that was the wrong thing to do but you kind of want to see him do it so yeah i think like part of the story is that believe campaign captured this narrative about taking back control that was very like emotive and really tapped into something and the other part of it is that people are just really stupid yeah. and just don't understand anything and they're just too thick and you can't help them so yeah <laughs> this is why democracy is bad unfortunately people are too stupid to understand things so you know what are you going to do yeah I mean, which is, if not the liberal analysis of Brexit, certainly the FBPE strategy for combating Brexit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Converted tradesmen. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, here, I don't suppose you've had any uh, manual workers in your proximity recently who, I mean, uh, yeah, maybe you could sort of tell them Donald Trump is bad. Like, hey, hey, listen up. Listen up, man. I know you're... Uh, 
I know you've been left behind. I know you're struggling economically. <laughs> but let me tell you something. A few hard truths. See, that was my attempt to see if I is still here. Is he gone? Oh my god, it's like the uh, <laughs> fucking Remain campaign, isn't it? Is this going to be like, so well in, in about in about 10 minutes time, you'll go as well, Jack, and this will just be an episode of Film Chat. <laughs> <laughs> just gradually more, more recording all. <laughs> more and more people <laughs> drop off. <seem> fucking nuts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, yeah. Maybe we're having technical problems. That's okay. Maybe he's gone for a piss or something. This is the good thing about starting off with so many of us. Yeah, <laughs> you know, lose up to forty percent of the people here. And... We're still going. This is like a teen slasher movie or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> each, each one of us, we leave one by one to find out what happened to the other members of this podcast who have vanished. And so, yeah, and are all white and guys. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm gonna go into this dark room to see if I can find where Yai is gone. Ah. What? Oh, hi Yai. Uh, hey. Uh... Oh, hi Mark. Sorry. <laughs> We were just wondering where you went. I was here all along. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I did a really slick thing where I did this sort of riff where I kind of handed the baton of the conversation over to you. But it was actually a cunning ruse to see if you were still here. And when I heard, uh, when I heard that silence, I knew you weren't still here. I left for like five minutes and it happened to be that five minutes. I know when you're bunking on the job, man. I know when you're playing hooky. I'm, <laughs> I'm watching you. We have yeah, our ways of knowing. The webcam's on, isn't it? <laughs> Where were we in the Brexit discussion? Discussing the patronising portrayal of the normies. The normies. Yeah. <laughs> You know the normies, you know what they're like. <laughs> Those filthy normies. Do you think there's no, like no, sorry, any you go first, way yeah. to successfully dramatise Brexit or any sort of historical event? Because we've been on this, we watched Game Change, which was that HBO show. I think they've got a sort of series of these types of movies. They one about Bernie Madoff. Oh yeah, I watched about, the uh, Bernie Madoff one, De Niro. But one of his better late period performances. The thing they reminded me of, have you ever seen those made-for-TV movies about recent royal couples getting together, like the Harry and Megan story and it's like sort of Australian actors in Colorado doing kind of weird accents it's a bit like that in that they don't obey any of the rules of drama and they just sort of like are a series of events which is like sort of ticking off a list but yeah. and then sort of weirdly crowbarred into this is sort of the shape of a film because the beginning and the end is the same scene so <laughs> things have happened but it's not at all satisfying on a you know it does not follow Aristotle's rules of drama <laughs> it's just to somebody who knew nothing about Brexit I think you just watch this and be completely nonplussed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, in, or like That's in 50 true. years or that, whatever. That is very it, true. Like. <laughs> but do you think there's any version of this type of movie that would succeed or is it just fundamentally flawed to try and compress a subject like this into 90 minutes with six characters and a wildly different tone? I think there's an element to it where you get the same kind of pleasures watching it as you do like an SNL sketch or something where it's like <laughs> yes. the famous actors are wearing wigs and they're, they're being the politician. Uh, except it's not very it's like famous actors for the when, when when Nigel Farage shows up, and I'm like, that in doesn't a look that Nigel Farage. Oh, but then uh, Aaron Banks sprays him with champagne. There's like a kind of in-joke feel to it. In Game Change, which you watch, there's this strange scene in which Julianne Moore as Sarah Palin watches an SNL sketch with Tina Fey as Sarah Palin, and she, she in the drama, the real Sarah Palin looks really upset about the comedy Sarah Palin. But like in the sketch, the joke is that everyone has seen the Katie Couric interview or whatever and knows that it was a disaster and. So that's why you get the joke. And I think the drama is working on the same level. It's like, I remember when this was a news story 
now I'm just watching it played out with an actor that it's just an yeah. actor's doing it and I think that is honestly I a also feel like for those bits to work they really needed bigger actors in more roles than just Benedict Cumberbatch yeah. I agree actually they did need a more famous cast we need Harry and Paul and the lads <laughs> Paul and Barry Bill and Ben what about Horn and Corden Horn as Farage Corden as Banks <laughs> A horn and cordon still a thing? I think cordon may have... Uh, Bring them back. Cordon, yeah, may have somewhat eclipsed horn in his <laughs> achievements. Bring back horn. We need horn. <laughs> we, need, we, we need the horn well, right now. Horn in a player is still... <laughs> <laughs> oh, horn's what, around. Yeah, he's, he's still working. Probably <laughs> <laughs> oh, be pleased with the call, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Only you can be Nigel Farage. I think in the Brexit movie, there's so many fucking insufferable, self-satisfying told you so moments where a character will be like oh don't worry about that Brexit's gonna be fine and then you can basically mm. see James Graham like just stepping into the shot and just being like it's, it, <laughs> it wasn't fine was it ha 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 I thought it wouldn't be fine did you think it was gonna be fine idiot basically coming in like Craig Oliver into the focus group and just screaming at the audience like you stupid dickhead did you vote for this did you fucking vote for this I mean it's not I wouldn't say the film is for a Brexit voting audience I think you know it's it's a fucking smug walk and talk jolly for West Wing wankers yes that is a very apt description my suggestion for how these events should be dramatised is that they should all be done like the Charlie Kaufman film adaptation and (laughs) Uh, someone should have been playing James Graham and then he's got like a twin brother who's called like Ben Graham or something and they're both writing adaptations of the Brexit of like referendum and just wondering how to do it and then they're having arguments about the left behinds and stuff like that Mm. I'd I'd watch it yeah Yeah. I just think that would have been better just as yeah you can kind of see the artistic process of a liberal playwright struggling with watching the society he loved for up until June the 23rd 2016 had been perfectly fine crumbling around him (laughs) yeah exactly it was all prior to june 2016 we were just living in the danny boyle olympic opening ceremony yeah paradise (laughs) those were the days i love that that's when jk rowling's last pulp detective novel is set yeah incredible incredible so stuff is that the one that's got the sort of momentum activist character like proto momentum type the, yeah. the guy with the stained Che Guevara t-shirt or whatever yeah and, it is absolutely hilarious and get this get this he's against Israel and secretly secret you're, you're not you're not gonna you're not gonna see this coming he it happens to be an anti-semite <laughs> can't believe it yeah powerful satire the Shot volumes to this character she's anti-semitic what about those goblins running the banks <laughs> <laughs> be more like jk kids lesson that the left needs to learn from jk rowling is that you need to disguise your anti-semitism with fantasy creature representations yeah yeah except where were the fucking dinosaurs well that would be for what was it sam you said ben graham's version of brexit the uncivil <laughs> war had all like dinosaurs roaming about and big explosions I would have watched that. I'd watch a Brexit action movie. Just kind of like the milk scene dramatised in full. 
That would be my Brexit thing. It would just all be following Gapes, dealing with every development in politics. Just he gets an urgent news bulletin on his phone. Oh no, the milk is under threat. So he gets up in Parliament, delivers the Monday equivalent of we will fight them on the beaches. And you have the I'm... milk. <laughs> I'm looking forward to real politics becoming so culturally influential that you just single-handedly make Mike Gapes this sort of iconic Labour figure. <laughs> I feel like if you plug away at it enough, eventually resistance will be futile and <laughs> Gapes, will, Gapes will go mainstream. a cultural icon. <laughs> well, I'm actually reassured by uh, how unpopular Gapes is because I saw him, <laughs> Wes Streeting, and Ian Duncan Smith all locked themselves in prison overnight the other week and they had to raise a certain amount of money for a local charity to be let out. Ian Duncan Smith quickly raised over a thousand quid and was let out. Presumably one of his rich Tory friends was just like, here you go, done, get out of there. And Wes Streeting took him a little bit longer Sounds like he's less popular than Ian Duncan Smith, uh, the butcher of how many people. Then Gapes, I believe, like raised about 200 quid for it. Wow, really? Yeah. He's still in there. Is he in there? Yeah. Gapes remains in prison to this day. He might be in there for the rest of his life. <laughs> <laughs> They're just rationing. He's costing the taxpayer more than he's raised in charity. So I do life in prison for the wrongs I've done. And I pray. They're rationing out the milk for him and he's just jonesing so hard, he's like strapped himself to the bed, he's like, no, please give me more milk, I can't take this. But yeah, like, sadly, Gapes does not figure at any point in Brexit the Uncivil War. They really dropped the ball on that. That would have helped. I think it would have pushed it up to at least a four star. Or uh, Tim Farron getting up to all sorts of skullduggery behind the scenes, sort of, uh, you know, doing Brexit. Just fixing it, thinking <laughs> it's the EU's regulations that are bringing all the fluoridated water into Britain. Well, of course. If he somehow takes Britain out of the EU single-handedly then that will stop. I have a question about these types of movies. In Brexit, the Uncivil War, it's really unsure about how to portray political figures, either as the sort of cartoon caricature versions of themselves or as like, serious <laughs> people. Yes. And there was a similar dilemma it, that confronted Adam... It does Adam seem to Ma alternate. Yeah. yeah, exactly. In Adam McKay's Vice, has got a similar thing going on. Yeah. Where it's like mm. half the comedy SNL sketch versions of these people and then half real dramatizations of them. And yeah. I was just wondering, what is the right approach to these things? Things because if you do it too seriously, I feel like you do end up with this Sorkin-esque thing of like oh, freighting all this with great importance yeah. when they're really just people. Right. But at the same time, when it just seems like everyone has just found a collection of wigs and they're just fucking <laughs> about, then it's, how, you know that also doesn't seem very helpful. How was Eddie Marson in Vice? Because you know I, I heard he went really, really, Incredible. really method for that one, playing a right-wing cunt. He's playing Paul Wolfowitz. Yeah, one of the key neocons in the Bush administration one of Cheney's guys I mean brilliant 
mesmeric. A, another incredible Marsan performance. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he just basically does American accent. I don't think like Paul Wolfowitz was sufficiently a kind of identifiable character for it to seem like a great impression of him. But delighted to see Marsan as always. Oh, of course. Have you seen Eddie Marsan's most recent Guardian interview? Which was... is this the one where he talks about like he's going to make Alan Partridge Alpha Papa? Except it's about James O'Brien confronting a Brexit voter or something. Yeah. What if Network, but shit? I think was Tom, <laughs> Tom Disso's impression of it. That I can't wait for. The Guardian article that he did, the interview he did, is Eddie Marson. My wife says Twitter is my midlife crisis. And <laughs> sounds like a smart woman. Uh, yeah. He uh, said Twitter is a lot of guys' midlife crisis. That sounds like. He <laughs> says at one point about Paul Wolfowitz who was the Deputy Secretary of Defence in the Bush administration, they asked him, did you come away thinking that Wolfowitz was a bad guy? And Marson says, no. I I understood him as a man who believed in promoting democracy in other countries. Jesus Christ. And I played him as somebody who thought he was doing the right thing. I don't think about three lines. (laughs) I don't think anybody wakes up in the morning and says, I'm going to be evil today. I played Himmler a couple of years ago in The Exception, and even Himmler didn't think he was being evil. Obviously. Is that how he would have answered the question if they'd asked him if he thought Himmler was a bad man? (laughs) Yeah. No. No, No, I didn't, no. I think he just woke up and wanted to spread democracy. Or if he, like, played Corbyn in something. Like, did you come away thinking that Corbyn was a bad guy? Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and they ask him, but didn't you get a whiff of sulphur as you took a closer look at the Bush administration? And he said, no, I don't work like that. I don't demonize. If I did, I'd be a terrible actor because I play absolute motherfuckers all the time. But like the whole movie, it could not be more of a demonization of Cheney and his <laughs> hangers on. It literally is about how he wakes up in the morning and decides to be evil. Like that's the entire attitude of the film. Well, Christian Bale said he based his performance on Satan, didn't he? (laughs) Yeah, in his Golden Globe speech. Thanks, Satan. (laughs) One more quote from the Eddie Marson interview. They ask him, do your kids ever watch your films? And he says, they do. My son was really excited his dad was in Deadpool 2. But the boys at school were like, your dad's a pedo. (laughs) Well, that's, well, that's, that's accurate <laughs> which so led to in that film. daddy why do you have to be a pedophile why can't you be a superhero <laughs> unfortunately I've got no control over that <laughs> but yeah I've heard that people go up to his kids in the playground and say your dad's a weirdly aggressive melt on twitter <laughs> That's totally I thought, I thought like verbatim, by the way. Forget who, sorry. I thought you were going to say that it was like some sort of Simon Hedges style thing where his kids keep calling him a slug or something. Yeah, <laughs> that would be great. Well, there's quite a few very vocal, very public melts whose kids love Corbyn. <laughs> I bet like Owen Smith's kids voted for Corbyn and stuff. <laughs> just imagine just another kind of like, you know how Owen Smith you just get the sense of the bitterness just building within him with every indignity that he has to suffer. All that indignity goes straight to his penis. Yeah. <laughs> he's just there and he's like, oh so what about you kids? Can I count on your support? And they're just like Oh no, Dad, we'll be voting for Jeremy Corbyn. And he's and you just see his face just like Arr! He just does a, a Homer Simpson kinda grabs them by the neck. But yeah, like Brexit and uh and Brexit and so forth. 
uh, Brex- the Brexit film. Yes, of course, Brexit. <laughs> There's a lot of lot of Brexits going on. Have you got some kind of deal where revenue for this episode depends on how many times the word Brexit is used? <laughs> we, we are actually, uh, yeah, do, doing, we're, we're advertising. We are Brexit. advertising for Brexit. <laughs> is, yes. is, does Brexit sponsor real positive? We got approached by Brexit Incorporated and they say, yeah. will you advertise Brexit? We said, is this a specific campaign or organisation? They said, no, we... just Brexit. The word. We are the first time traveling campaign. Okay, like, we, are they going to broadcast this episode in June of 2016? Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, real politics started at the end of 2016, and we can't complete it until we manage to get the hardest Brexit possible. Only then will, yeah. will we be uh, released from this curse. <laughs> then we get to go back in time and stop ourselves from ever starting the podcast, and we're free from the curse. <laughs> yeah. But Would you kill this? baby Jack Frayne Reed? <laughs> <laughs> I think you'd kill just regular. You never trust that fucker. <laughs> We'd have to go back to Russia first. When they finished, we go back to Russia and they've said, you know the scene in Goodfellas where Joe Pesci gets made, or does he? Yes. Uh, it's like that. They say, they say, <laughs> you you come back to Russia, you just step into this room with plastic covering all over the floor, and uh, we'll take you time travel wise back to before you set up the podcast and you can have your life back <laughs> and then and Putin what... just walks in with a Glock yeah and, yeah. <laughs> yeah well it might be Putin maybe he'll just use Seamus Milne as an intermediary he personally does it you know <laughs> he likes to handle business yeah. <laughs> you'll know you're or he sends a bear in we're very important clients yeah i mean this film terrible terrible stuff uh, very 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 bad i mean were there any other- one of the most boring movies i've ever watched and seriously the first time i watched it i swear the first 20 minutes is like whispering just <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen Game Change? That movie is really fucking boring. Yeah, I've seen it's Game honestly, Change. It's honestly more boring than Brexit the Answer War was. That's the Sarah Palin one, isn't it? And the, yeah. the recount one is about George Bush stealing the election from Al Gore. Yeah, I can imagine that one maybe having a little bit more pep to it. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I, don't I think, think so. like, well, all, <laughs> all these guys, it's... like, they just overestimate the entertainment value of just people sitting in rooms talking about campaigns. People? It's in yes. It's not very interesting. The thick of it was an outlier in that it made it interesting. That's because they keep saying things like, oh, I'm, I'm going to... Uh, turn you into a fucking cake with my fist or yes you know? <laughs> exactly which, which these movies all lack you can't just call nigel farage a cunt once in the film and you've got to call him a cunt like a million times. magic yeah they had a bit of swearing in the film but it was a kind of you know mild middle class swearing. yeah it was not seen. colorful at all really <laughs> there's none of that like i'm gonna shove an ipod up your cock and then <laughs> stamp on your balls and play yeah. you know happy birthday or something <laughs> if benedict yes. cumberbatch went around behaving like that then you know it could have been more interesting right that's probably like if it had focused on the aaron banks campaign he was probably out there saying <laughs> stuff like that you know vote leave the unofficial one wait which what so there was vote leave and leave.eu and leave.eu leave. was Aaron Banks wasn't it yeah Him yeah vote leave was the official one yeah 
and Bob Geldof makes a little appearance, and yes. <laughs> they're all like <laughs> when they're spraying each other on the. Thames, oh yeah, they're just like giving them a finger. <laughs> me and M just looked at each other. and We were like, "This is so fucking childish." Yeah, like is this really British politics? It like, sure what, is. What? Totally, totally embarrassing. Well, Go fucking become. throw that's some bricks become. through some Starbucks windows and get it over mm-hmm. with, for fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> Bob Geldof appears in more shots than Corbin does. <laughs> That's true. Uh, Bob Geldof. Yeah. Guy. I mean, these films are, um, they're for process heads, aren't they? They're for people who really like the people in rooms formula, really like just kind of seeing the nitty gritty politics behind the scenes. I mean, these films date back decades, like Mike Nichols did Primary I mean, Colors. that can be interesting when there's an interesting political story to tell. Yeah, I mean, are there any particularly good dramas? Like, well, I mean, actually, one of you mentioned All the President's Men earlier, and, uh, and uh, you know, that's good. But that's, I mean, that's because it's got an authentic, kind of rich 70s paranoid conspiracy thriller tone. It works as a compelling genre movie. Um, right. Yeah. Not a fucking, well, this feels televisual this film well it's not a film whose chief reason to watch it is like what really went down when matthew elliott went to see dominic cummings at his house <laughs> it's like the answers to the most boring political questions you could conceivably ask <laughs> you know what at the end of the film it was interesting to see who was a consultant on the movie so firstly there was tim shipman who is uh columnist for the times and he well he's a reporter and he's basically a kind of glorified tory gossip columnist just a tory gossip columnist not just in that he's a tory but in that he only has contacts in the conservative party so he doesn't know shit about labor and his reporting is only any good if it deals with the conservatives i've listened to the audiobook of his book about brexit all out war which i think this is heavily based on and it went through one ear and out the other like i could not bring myself to care about it everyone in it is a tory cunt up to and including alan johnson the head of the labor campaign and it's so typical that this is a film that the historical record from which it is drawn is basically tim shipman's kind of inside baseball men in rooms fucking what's an i said gossip quite a lot of times trying to think of as another word for that kind of journalism <laughs> but you know just just oh he said she said kind of you know uh, tittle tattle tittle tattle yeah exactly yeah, Tim Shipman, purveyor of fucking tittle towel. And <laughs> the other consultant on the film, you know, you'll be surprised after seeing the incredibly positive portrayal of David Cameron's former communications director, Craig Oliver, as the voice of reason and of morality and standing up for your principles and sticking by the facts. Craig Oliver was also a consultant on the film. <laughs> so presumably, was he really? That's yeah, funny. oh yeah, he was. Yeah, he got, <laughs> I don't know if Benedict Cummings was. So presumably Craig Oliver was just like, oh Cummings, he's a dickhead. Here's why I told. Did you just I call him, him Benedict Cummings? Benedict Cummings. Yeah. <laughs> they are one. Nice. I mean, I was surprised yeah. actually, not really knowing anything about Cummings. I assumed he'd be a posh British man because his surname is Cummings. <laughs> but well, I mean, he's British. I mean, sorry, it's a, a fair Englishman. But he's actually Welsh, so yeah. Oh, yeah. There you go. I don't know if he's well. posh 
Welsh, but... Uh, he's authentic. He's authentic. He's got an accent. Well, he knows what the people of Middle England are saying. Yeah, he's sick of the posh MPs who don't get anything, whereas he somehow does understand things, even though he just reads Tolstoy and Sun Tzu or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It was very, very confusing. I like... There was one bit in it where he's sitting in a dark cupboard on his laptop, and then someone comes in and then turns the light on, but every other scene when he's in that cupboard, he has the light on. So why was he in there in the dark on that specific occasion? I think, was he sad? Was he just... Maybe he was... Maybe he was just having a cry. Yeah, Yeah. he was just... I think he was probably in there, you know, like, hating Brexit. He's inexplicably there doing Brexit. And then he remembers, oh, I don't support this. And he has to go into his cupboard and and calm himself down and then go back and do some more Brexit. (laughs) I liked the scene when they went to talk to the forgotten people. And they're talking about, like, economic stuff for a minute. And then she's just like... I'm not racist or anything, but it is the ones coming in from the other countries, isn't it? And they just kind of bring it on to... I really, really liked the bit where I think it was one of the people of colour was bringing up some point about how Brexit kind of matters because of immigration. Mm. And then there was that blonde lady who just was like, I hate it when you people call me that! Yeah. Like, nobody called <laughs> yeah, her a racist. Yeah, nobody that was, that was fucking called her a racist. But she inferred racist from what was being said and yeah. decided to get offended I'm fed up being with being called that that was just a perfect dramatization of a real cultural conversation that's always going on yeah that bit was fairly accurate <laughs> I wonder how much Craig Oliver influenced the direction of that conversation by coming in and screaming hard truths at everybody. Right. <laughs> Does that not somewhat defeat the purpose of focus groups? I think like halfway through that scene, some radical Lexeter or something should have burst in to yell the hard truths of what a neoliberal institution it is that the guy <laughs> loved the EU. Yeah, it's like, shut up, you fucking Mel. There was a bit in one of the focus groups where a guy corrects someone who's talking about sovereignty and saying that, oh, we don't get any say in what happens in the EU. And then he's like, well, actually, we elect MEPs to the European Parliament. (laughs) I wanted someone to burst through the wall and be like, but they don't actually have very much decision-making power. So what do you think of when you think of the EU? What does it do? They make laws uh, for each country. Laws over there that overturn laws over here, only they're not accountable. Well, you you do vote for them, MEPs. That's such a lame argument, isn't it? Like, oh, the EU's not democratic. Actually, we have MEPs. It's like, yeah, but most people fucking know that. They're, just, they're like the shittest bunch of people. For Labour... Was it, is MEP, it Nigel Farage, was, or at least wasn't he an MEP? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the only position by which fucking losers like Farage have been able to get elected in the last decade and a bit. But yeah, it's, it's just such a shit argument. It's such a terrible argument. And it would have been funny if a gang of course night thugs fresh from pissing on the remains of the 2012 olympic <laughs> park just kind of came in and like someone's like oh no but the eu's good they're just coming in like shut up you just came in like clint eastwood shut up pussy and set fire to it why were there no momentum thugs in this film i was really disappointed by that yeah i mean uh, that was a, a key facet of uh, the remain campaign oh no wait it wasn't because alan johnson refused for services of momentum even when offered them so I spent a lot 
lot of that campaign roaming the streets with gangs of momentum trolls telling people to vote leave. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't I, know why that wasn't in the film. Yeah, in fact, that that was like when I bumped into it. Yeah, I, I bumped, <laughs> very disappointing oversight. I bumped into Jeremy Corbyn on the streets when I was doing my sort of Clockwork Orange patrol, uh, like <laughs> like you. Uh, and uh, yeah, he was just like, oh yeah, yeah, I'm off to vote leave now. In fact, I was just out of shot. It's a little bit you see in the film of him going to the polling station to cast his vote for Brexit. Yeah, yeah. I just mentioned Clockwork Orange. Didn't you tell me earlier that yes. you saw certain parallels? in this film <laughs> I, I was hoping you would either bring that up or at least edit in what i said yeah. before but yeah. <laughs> yeah i remember two scenes but there was one that was way more distinct where they seemed to be referencing a clockwork orange for no particular thematic or metaphorical or anything reason just just cool. because they like the music or something <laughs> and the one that stands out the most is that scene where the vote are all coming in and it's 17 million for leave and there's that bomb bomb it's beethoven but really synthy and it's right out of clockwork orange and i'm like why <laughs> everyone's just sort of jumping in slow motion i'm like i guess the bomb bomb is good for jumping but like <laughs> why the synth version i don't know it seems to be like trying to reference a clockwork orange but i can't for the life of me work out why what was the other allusion to clockwork orange probably another musical bit it didn't stand out as much but probably some more beethoven's ninth earlier on in the film they should have (laughs) (laughs) they should have had a sort of re-education scene where Jeremy Corbyn is forced to... Right? Alan Johnson has got a PowerPoint presentation up with, like, hard facts about how good the EU is. And they've got Jeremy Corbyn's eyes pinned open, forcing him to kind of take in all this if, empirically if true reference... information. <laughs> if you're going to reference dystopic fiction, then, yeah, take it all the way. Yeah. <laughs> right. Do we have any more thoughts on Brexit, the uncivil war, or its ilk? Ugh. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm full of I'm, I'm out of thoughts, and uh, actually, guys, I have to uh, take off. I'm afraid uh, I've been off Twitter for an hour. Uh, yeah, yeah this is few, uh, few coming <laughs> to a good sort of conclusion from my from my end as well. Yeah, here. seems like a natural conclusion. Well, if I have any more thoughts, I'll do what I always do and just record myself saying them on my own, and then insert them into the episode. In um, you would, a few I mean, like, just I might be able sounds. to record some filler at some point. Anyway, That's cool. Well, well, yeah, we might as well um, just edit this up and put it out and record. But we got else. a good amount of material. Definitely. I mean, so like, all right. It's, it, well, great meeting you guys. Yeah, you too. Yeah, Thanks for having us on. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was lovely, lovely to speak to you. It's been lovely doing Brexit with you guys. It's been, yeah, it's been we, a pleasure. How many Brexits Brexit. do you think we managed to accomplish? How many Brexits Not enough. and a Brexit Not Brexit? Enough, they're all very hard. <laughs> <laughs> That's the main thing, isn't it? It's 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 the hardness of the Brexit. Yes. It's the quality, not the quantity. <laughs> Precisely. Okay. Thanks for listening to Real Politic, everyone, and thank you to our guests Sam and Danny from the Film Chat Podcast. Thanks so much for having us. Cheers, guys. Peace. Bye. 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 
it's tech, it's exciting, it's young people, it's crowdsourcing.